HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hardcore is a new series from Heritage Radio Network. Over six episodes, we're taking a close look at the rebirth of American cider. Really, it wasn't until about 10 years ago that cider started to be revitalized in the United States. From the science of fermentation. So yeast, it's a fungus. It's a unicellular fungus. To the magic of terroir. What really excites us is thinking about communicating that very sort of spiritual aspect of knowing a piece of land. We're setting aside our cider donuts to gain a deeper understanding of this singular beverage. I love a cider donut. You don't have to have a cider donut with your cider, and I will die on that point. Subscribe to Hardcore wherever you listen to podcasts. God, here we are again, trapped in the studio, just the two of us, and a bottle of Prosecco. Hello, welcome to Life's a Banquet. I'm Zara, Um, this is a show about the highs and lows, like all things edible and like spreadable and pourable, and here we are at Roberta's, and with my co-host, and what's your name? Nicole Bailey. Sup, bro. Sup. Sup. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> um, what's popping? Well, I had to do my shout out today. It's my dad's birthday, Ted oh. Bailey. He's 63 years young, November 6th, Scorpio. Hey, Dad. Hey, Ted, I'm sorry? Ted. Ted, what a strong name. Well, it's George Theodore Bailey the second. Oh, <laughs> very similar to Theodore Bundy. Uh, Did you ever wonder they were the same person? No. Did you ever hear the conspiracy theory that George Bush, uh, George W. Bush and Ted Bundy were the same person? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure you told me, but it's shocking. The <laughs> photographs are literally shocking. <laughs> Honestly, I love it, and I won't leave it, and I believe it. It's my favorite. So, anything, did you eat anything this week? Oh, I actually cooked. Oh, what the? I know, it's strange. I, um, it's kind of a funny story. I was going to make pumpkin soup, and I, you know, got all my stuff ready, started making the onions, was roasting the garlic, and I pulled out the pumpkin puree, and it, it was canned pumpkin puree, and it had expired over a year ago, Uh-oh. so I must have been lugging that shit around for... 20 years like I don't <laughs> canned pumpkin doesn't expire like very often <laughs> it takes at least 50 to 100 years to expire so yeah. you may have inherited it 
Perhaps. It's like an antique. So I opened it anyway because expiration dates are arbitrary, and mm. we all know that old food isn't really necessarily really bad, but it had all, like, dried up inside of the can. <laughs> so then Ew, I was like, yuck. I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do now? So I, I already was, like, cooking the onions, and so I went ahead and just caramelized the onions and then roasted the cauliflower with the garlic and then just pureed it all together and hoped for the best. Mm-hmm. It was like a roasted garlic caramelized onion cauliflower soup. That actually sounds quite good. It was really good. I was impressed with myself because when I rip off of things, I don't do well all the time. Right. Did you make a stock or use a, like a stock or I did used, you do water? I used vegetable stock that I had Okay, lying around my pantry. You know what I really it like? Not expired. Oh, perfect. Yes. You don't want to give yourself any botulism. Um, I really like to use, like in a pureed soup, like almond milk. I'm not really mm. a huge almond milk supporter in other areas. I yeah. find it to be curdly and... It's not sustainable. Rude. <laughs> it's not sustainable at all. <laughs> it's got a terrible attitude. But <clears throat> I do like it in a pureed soup. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I made something that I thought was delicious, which basically, so I used to work at a pizza place. Like I actually worked at a million different pizza places when I was in high school and I worked at one, uh, and the owner would chop up the pizza slices from the day before that didn't Mm -hmm. sell and into little tiny bits and then put them into new pizza crust and make like a pinwheel and call it stuffed yesterday. So I made my own version of a stuffed yesterday which was a bunch of old, soggy, pitiful vegetables that I had in my refrigerator because I always go to the farmer's market and buy everything. And then I'm like, I don't cook for myself and (laughs) I'm terribly alone. And (laughs) all I'm going to do is look at these, gaze upon these. So anyway, I felt guilty. So I made like a, like a melange, like almost like a ratatouille. And then I was also like less than infused, Excused? Infused? Enthused. Enthused, Exactly. I'm sorry. (laughs) Less than excuse. I'm having a seizure. Um, So then I whipped that up, that whole like kind of ratatouille melange of old vegetables uh, with some olive oil and pecorino cheese and made it into a dip. And that, my friend, was where it was at. Wait, so you mush up all the vegetables into a dip? Yes. Ah. I took the basically like ratatouille, oh, tomato, so zucchini, olives, I thought this carrots. was somehow going to end up being a pinwheel. So I, I didn't put it in the pizza. very confused. I just, I, I took the inspiration from the stuff yesterday. You used leftovers for the first time in your life. Exactly. And I also, <laughs> exactly. And I also stole $15 out of my own wa- uh, wallet like I would in the pizza place days. You stole money from other people's wallets? I stole from the register. Come and get me, coppers. There's a statute of limitations. <laughs> there is not. For robbery? I will call the police. You want to call the cops? Call the cops. No, I used to steal from the register, too. Okay, good. I knew I liked you for a reason. <laughs> okay, so what are we talking about today? Oh, well, we don't have time anymore, so... That's true. We have a lot to get to. <laughs> so we're doing theme restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, Woohoo! And I'm really excited to talk about these. I just picked three, but I still think that I may run out of time. Also, I can't see the clock, so it doesn't really matter. I'll give you a single. A s- what is wrong with me? You are having a stroke. <laughs> I know. I'll give you a sigil. Nope. A sigil? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we actually don't have time for this. Okay, okay fine. I have to start I'll light my hair on fire when it's time to go to commercial. <laughs> go. Okay. Well, how will I know this is different from the other times you light your hair on fire? <laughs> okay. So I'm going to start with two restaurants that um, I went to in Chicago. They're based in Chicago, but some like one of them has more. But anyway, whatever. Uh, the first one is called Ed DeBevix. And 
Um, this restaurant, if you are not familiar with it, is famous for the servers being really mean to you. Um, and in my mind, these restaurants were interchangeable, but as we're all going to find out now, there are some key differences between them. What do you mean that, like, the different locations of Ed Bevex were different? No, so I'm also doing Dick's Last Resort. Oh, okay. Sorry, that wasn't clear. Got it, got it, got it, got it. So these two restaurants, in my mind as a child, were interchangeable because the servers treated you like crap okay. on purpose. <laughs> Got it. Um, but there are actually some differences. Okay, perfect. And let me tell you about them. Okay, so Ed DeBevix was started in Toluca, Illinois um, in the 50s. Um, it was actually originally called... Oh, sorry. This is actually from the website of Ed DeBevix. So oh, perfect. In, in the 50s and 60s, Ed DeBevix was working at Lil's Homesick Diner on Highway 50 in Toluca, Illinois. Cutest was, name for a diner ever. He was a line cook, short order cook is what they call him. Bless his soul. Um, and he, according to Ed, Lil knew how to treat people. Her motto was, eat and get out. Um, <laughs> she also had another motto. If you like what you're eating, order more. If not, there's the door. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so based on Lil, he decided to open his own restaurant in 1984. According to the website, it is Chicago's only retro-themed diner, which I would say is arguable. But I don't know. Don't I just don't know. <laughs> I've never been to Chicago, but it sounds like a bold face lie. Yeah. Or a bald face lie. Who can say? Um and so basically they're like it's Chicago's only retro themed diner with quirky servers in flashy costumes. Don't expect this diner to be a please and thank you kind of a place. Servers pride themselves on snarky remarks and they even drop their trays to do choreographed dances on the soda <gasps> counters. Really? <laughs> yeah. How fun. Um so, Serious Eats checked out Ed DeBevix in 2013, um, and they did not have very nice things to say. They, uh, uh. Uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. They started off laughing, and they're like, oh, yeah, we used to go there when we were kids, and I famously remember my mom being like, hey, can I have a Dr. Pepper? And the waiter's like, ma'am, it's the 50s. We don't have Dr. Pepper yet. <laughs> uh, and then they went on to say that the food is comically bad. So they said that the the nachos were cold Uh and the hamburger was mealy. Um, I have a little bit of a commentary I'd like to add. Uh, Were there nachos in the 50s, Ed DeBevix, bitches? I mean, we should know since we did that whole history. We did. And I don't think they were like around in restaurants. They were. I mean, they were. I think they got created in the 50s because the 50s housewives. I mean, that joke about the 50s housewives being like. Oh, oh my god, right. thank you for making these nachos for us. Yes, yes, in yes, Mexico. Yes, yes. Cuz we're shopping. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, fine, fair. Um <clears throat> But yeah, I don't think that Ed DeBevex is like historically accurate in any way. Sure. Um also didn't Dr. Pepper get in, I mean, when did Dr. Pepper even get invented? Nobody it, knows. This whole thing sounds like uh, a bunch of malarkey, but I'm also intrigued cuz I do love a retro diner. Um sure. So, then there's also Dick's Last Resort. So, this restaurant was actually started in Dallas. It's a chain. It has 13 restaurants, present day. Um, this is from Wikipedia, which I found hilarious. It's known for its intentional employment of obnoxious employees. Like, they're saying that they're just finding obnoxious people on purpose and hiring them, which I no. think is hilarious. But what they actually mean is the employees are intentionally obnoxious. Right. But the way that it's worded in Wikipedia made me laugh. They're like, we're finding obnoxious people. We're putting them on the floor to serve you food. That's really funny. They just go to like Murray Hill and they're like, anyone here need a job? (laughs) Um, 
So this story is pretty interesting. Dick Chase, um, of Dick's Last Resort, Mm -hmm. he actually had a fine dining restaurant that failed and bankrupted him, and he didn't give up. He decided to open another restaurant, but instead of fine dining, he decided to get sloppy. Oh! Um, They had wacky decor, picnic tables with no tablecloth, which... OMG. Nowadays, you're hard-pressed to find a tablecloth at any restaurant. Yeah, that's true. Um... The diners expect to be made uncomfortable. Um, they hand out adult bibs and paper hats to people when they come in. Uh, <laughs> you lost me there, honestly. And bib is no go for There's me. no napkins on the tables. They're thrown at customers by the servers. <laughs> All right. I'd go. Did you like it? Was it I, fun? I'm not sure which one I went to. I was a kid. I just remember that they brought me the wrong soda, and I was like, this is the wrong soda. And they're like, drink it anyway. You're like, like I'm allergic to this kind. <laughs> Um, and I was like, cool. Um, <laughs> that's all I really remember. Wow. That's so, so brazen. <laughs> um, okay. Now we're changing directions completely to the fashion cafe. Yay. You reminded me of this the other day because I told you about the place I'm doing. You're like, yeah, it's open by models. I was like, I don't think so. You're like, <laughs> not according to my research. <laughs> and I was like, oh, is it a different place? And it was. But for some reason I conflated them both in my mind. Who knows yeah. why? Um, okay, this is actually kind of long, but I have I hope I can get to everything because it is a roller coaster of fascinating shit. Oh my god, I'm so excited. <clears throat> so the fashion cafe is was an international chain based in New York City, but it also had restaurants in the US, the UK, South Africa, Mexico, and Spain. Oh, Spain? Yeah. Wow. Hilarious. International. Um, it was started by these two guys, Francesco and Tommaso Buti. I'm probably pronouncing their wrong, names wrong. They're Italian. Um, <laughs> their last name is Booty. B-U-T-I. Yep, Booty. That's <laughs> that's a booty if I've ever heard one. Booty squared, yes. Uh, <laughs> in 95, they... Um, okay, so they found the restaurant in 95 and were later arrested in Italy for fraud, bankruptcy, money laundering, conspiracy charges. But let me tell you how it all happened. Oh, please. So... Initially, when it started, the idea was that Naomi Campbell, Elle McPherson, Claudia Schiffer, and Chrissy Turlington were all part owners, investors in this restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were all, like, at the opening in Rockefeller Center, and they were just, like, there. And then it turned out later that they actually weren't owners. They were just paid for appearances. Oh. And then they were promised shares of revenue, which never turned out. Never materialized. To, uh, Exists. Yeah. Would be, wouldn't it be great if, like, one of them was the cook? One of them was the major day. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. <laughs> one of them was the porter. Um, so, so the idea behind it was a couture version of Planet Hollywood, which I think is hilarious because why? <laughs> I guess it just goes to show, like, supermodels at that time reached a height of celebrity that they were as famous as Hollywood actors, which is the first right. time that that had happened. And yeah. arguably has not happened since, you know, I think the last big supermodel was like Giselle. Yeah, that's really true. I wonder, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're going to cover this, but like, it's just kind of an interesting concept to have a <laughs> restaurant mm-hmm. that's like model themed. Yes. No offense models. I'm sure some of you are great eaters, but it's not the, the common trope we know. Yeah. Um, exactly. So the rock, so they opened in Rockefeller 95, the London one opened in 96 and closed a year afterwards. Uh-oh. Um, the fashion cafe encountered difficulties from the beginning. So according to, where did I get, oh, from, well, this is from Wikipedia. Um, the connection between models and food was not an obvious one. 
and fashion <laughs> was not a theme that made people feel hungry. <laughs> But I'm like, this is funny to me because I'm like, does Hollywood make people feel hungry? I guess because when you're at the movies, yeah. you eat pop. I think it's just more exciting. Like Planet Hollywood is like, cool, like <laughs> I'm at like, you know, here, look at Bruce Willis. Look at me, Bruce. I'm going to eat this whole burger in one bite. <laughs> sure. I mean, yes, Bruce Willis was there to see you do that. <laughs> um, the San Francisco Chronicle wrote that the food was bad and the concept lacked dining sophistication. <laughs> Fucking snobs. Yeah, excuse us. <laughs> but Ruth Reichel said the food was surprisingly decent and the restaurant was animated in an, wait, sorry, had an animated environment with a store on the side. <laughs> wow. Like a Prada store? No, it's like a gift shop. Um, so actually, let me go. Let me just take you to what it was like on opening night over there. The so, cocaine flowed like wine. The entryway, the entryway was a giant camera lens, so it was round. Oh my god! And then there were two fashion trophies in the in the Rockefeller Center store. Um, it was the Giorgio Armani suit that Jordi Foster wore to the Academy Awards, where she won for Silence of the Lambs. Wow! And if you saw the suit, you would remember it. Yeah. Um, and then the, I do remember it actually. The bustier from Madonna's Blonde Ambition tour. They wow. were like behind glass hanging on the walls just like in Planet Hollywood where they have all those things. That's so <laughs> odd. I know. Um, uh, sorry. Okay, so then the very first four months that they were in operation, 28,000 t-shirts were sold. Really? That's insane to me, but it was a time of graphic tees. Yeah, that's true. What would you do for one right now? Have you looked at how much I didn't are? have time, but I know if there's one on eBay. <clears throat> I just don't wear graphic tees, unfortunately. Yeah. That's a pretty cool one, though. I know. I almost bought a Friday the 13th one, but then I was like, am I ever going to wear this? Yeah, I know. I feel very similarly. I have a couple that I really like. My favorite is like a very, well, I have like a Operation Ivy t-shirt from like when I was in seventh grade. And then I have a Dick Tracy one that's so thin that it has like holes in it. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. But Dick it Tracy's is hard. a good movie. Or is it bad? Madonna, not a famously yeah, good actor. I mean, Warren Beatty. Who doesn't yeah, I mean, like him? <laughs> totally. I don't know. Bullworth? Hello. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I think Carly Simon maybe doesn't like him. That's allegedly. true. Um, okay. So on opening night, we have Gianni Versace, <gasps> Stephen Dorff, because it's 1995. Oh, God bless you, Stephen Dorff. David Copperfield. Oh, my God. Oh, he was married to Claudia Schiffer. He made oh, her disappear. He made their marriage that's disappear. That's right. That's right. That's a good um, joke. There was a live set by Duran Duran. Oh, my God. And our mutual celebrity crush, Kevin Costner, was there. <gasps> I know. <gasps> I know. <gasps> um, there were a couple of items on the list. The only one that I wrote down, or on the menu, sorry, there, which is Naomi's Fish and Chips. So there were menu <laughs> items that were named after the models, <laughs> which may or may not have actually been their recipes. <clears throat> <laughs> I mean, Naomi <laughs> is British, so... Um, essentially, uh, it all comes out that these guys are huge scam artists and they've just, that um, two of the models accuse him of stealing $10,000 a day to fund his lavish lifestyle. Um, he lived in this crazy huge apartment and had all these cars and a private jet and like, was just like jetting around everywhere. Oh and God. eventually he like went on the run and the, uh, the, uh, federal U S federal people that arrest you for doing money crimes. Uh, the IRS. Yeah. They're well, back again. They're back around. <clears throat> they arrested him in Italy, and he actually ended up, that was in 2000, he actually ended up like kind of not having to get in too much trouble. Classic. But he did, it, his marriage dissolved to a supermodel, Czechoslovakian supermodel dissolved. Um, 
The other weird connection is that right before they got arrested, Donald Trump made this huge announcement that he was spawned, he was starting a modeling agency called like Trump Models or something, and he hired Tomasi Booty to be the head and run the entire thing. And oh it was like my this God. big deal. It was in a bunch of New York Times articles, and wow. it was very like jarring to see that. And then of course it all fell apart and nothing worked out. And yeah, nothing for Trump especially. Nothing really worked out. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> that's really amazing. What do you have to do to like spend ten thousand dollars a day? Like than like baby seal tears or something well his apartment was twenty eight thousand dollars a month uh, so i'm sure that a large portion of that went there but also like i said private jet sure sure car collection cocaine up the butt injections definitely probably wow that's uh unbelievable i'm starving hearing about that story (laughs) (laughs) um that's amazing should we take a quick breakaroo yeah and then come back at you blazing hot Blazing lava hot. Blazing saddles. That's a little bit of a hint hint. Okay, bye. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Join Heritage Radio Network on Monday, November 11th, for a raucous feast to toast a decade of food radio. Our 10th anniversary Bacchanal is a rare gathering of your favorite chefs, mixologists, storytellers, thought leaders, and culinary masterminds. We'll salute the inductees of the newly minted HRN Hall of Fame, who embody our mission to further equity, sustainability, and deliciousness. Join us to explore the beautiful Palm House and Yellow Magnolia Cafe at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden, where you'll taste and imbibe to your heart's content, and bid on -on once-in-a-lifetime experiences and tasty gifts for any budget at our silent auction. Join the party. Tickets are available now at heritageradionetwork.org slash gala. Uh, I loved Allie G. <laughs> We're just talking a little bit about Allie G. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to do an impression now. Everybody, hold on to your butts. Just kidding. No. I'm not. I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, listen. Let's get serious here because this is a serious show and I'm a serious person. Uh, the year is 1994. I'm 10, and I'm wearing an extra-large Tasmanian Devil t-shirt. <laughs> Picture it. 
I was 14 and I was wearing a Lion King t-shirt. Really? Were you playing with Gak? No, because I was 14. <laughs> I was a freshman in high school. Dude, I would still play with Gak if it was available. Do you remember Gak? It's gross. It's in a star-shaped container. It's not exactly Silly Putty and it's not exactly Play-Doh and it's not gum. And it does it exactly bad. pick up every piece of dirt from whatever it, it does. Touches. It's germ-riddled, but if you squish it into the corners of that little, little case it's in, it makes a fart sound. That's dumb. Okay. I don't care. It was that. very big in 1994. I'm just trying to put you there. Um, <laughs> also in 1994, my very favorite uh, theme restaurant of all time opens. <laughs> this is not your favorite theme restaurant. It is. It's a great wine. It's very special to me. My dad and I used to go there. Oh, I didn't realize you actually went there. I loved it. I went in Disney. I think that they had one in Long Island or somewhere else where we went. But anyway, the Rainforest Cafe, the spookiest. <laughs> just kidding. It's not spooky whatsoever unless you're afraid of animals. Uh, <laughs> There were animals in it. <laughs> yes, just you. You never went to a rainforest cafe. I don't. I don't remember. I don't think so. Can I tell you something? I would do almost anything if we could just go to the rainforest cafe after this show. Wouldn't that be so fun? No, it'd be so overpriced. It'd also be gross. We'd throw up because the food is not great. <laughs> no offense. I bet the food's fine. We'll take a sponsorship from them. Anyway, let's get to it. The first location opens in the Mall of America in Bloomington, Minnesota on February 3rd, 1994. Have you ever been to the Mall of America? No. They have a roller coaster inside, though. That's crazy. I know. I wonder if it passes through the RFC. Rainforest Cafe. Oh, I was like, uh, what is? <laughs> <laughs> By 1997, the chain had consisted of six restaurants all over the U.S., and the first international location opened in London, uh, London, England, excuse me, in June 1997. So, in the original incarnations of the restaurant... Sorry, what year was the first year that it was? 1994. So, the year before Fashion Cafe. Exactly. It, theme restaurants were very popular in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I think they really hit their stride. Yeah, and they all failed. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, most of them did. There's still a bunch of RFCs around. Um, and the first couple, before this guy, who I'll tell you about in a little bit, who started it, uh, before he sold it to a larger conglomerate, they had live animals. That's against health code. They had birds that's, flying around the restaurant. That's not true. They were flying? They were flying around the restaurant. There were live butterflies. There was all kinds of live animals. What? That like seemed... live gorilla uh, orangutans that they would have in the front. It's crazed. They had monkeys there? Monkeys. But that not is... like walking around where the food was, like maybe in the gift shop like area or in the trapped front. Trapped in a tiny cage exactly. in a e- restaurant. Eating chicken fingers. <laughs> It was all very dystopian. What was the Department of Health doing in the 90s? They may not have existed yet. (laughs) I don't really, I don't really know. I'm fascinated. It's strange. Um, According to Atlas Obscura, it seemed like such a staple of the 90s, hitting culture at a moment when both malls and the rainforest were were very popular. (laughs) Malls, the worst thing for the earth. Malls. Rainforest, the best thing for the earth. Exactly, but they are right that the rainforest was very popular in the 90s. Everyone was all on Twitter about the rainforest. The rainforest this, the rainforest that. Save the rainforest. Rainforest, rainforest. There's like pictures in my mind of like water bottles with the rainforest animals on them. Exactly. Um, It was really trendy. Yeah, but now we're just burning them right to the ground. Yeah, we're like, get rid of it. F the rainforest. Damn the man. Save the empire. Am I right? Rainforest? Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Uh, Jen Bursch, a member of the original team that worked as an assistant manager at the Mall of America's Rainforest Cafe for five years, remembers when Michael Jackson paid a visit to the cafe for a special charity lunch with kids from a local cancer center. Yikes. Quote, I know. He was mesmerized, she said. I remember him standing in front of the talking tree for like 10 minutes, just standing there, staring at it, watching it. Oh my god, I'm sorry. That just reminds me of something. Yes, please. I forgot to tell you because I couldn't read my Go, handwriting. please. At the entrance also of 
the fashion cafe were three talking robots that were formed in the form of the supermodels that were the ambassadors oh, for this. No. <laughs> That's amazing to me. That's terrible. Animatronic models? Yeah, so it's like their version of a talking tree, basically. Totally. <laughs> three talking trees. <laughs> yeah. That's very dangerous. That seems dangerous to me. It, it seems problematic and worrisome. Yeah, where are they now? Exactly. Where? That's a very good <laughs> question. Where are they? <laughs> They're right behind you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So a gentleman by the name of Stephen uh, Schlosser is a developer of theme re- of the theme restaurant and the creator of the Rainforest Cafe. He also created and built and owns the T-Rex Cafe, the Yak and Yeti restaurant. What? I didn't even bother to look what that was. I couldn't stand to find out. Betty and Joe's Hot Dog Hall of Fame. <laughs> insert penis joke here. Galaxy Drive-In and the Backfire Barbecue. Now, since, uh, since Wikipedia mentioned that he owned these, he's since sold to the same conglomerate that owns Rainforest Cafe. Oh, I've also, in my research, found that if you start getting into the whole selling and buying of restaurant mm-hmm. groups, it just turns into, like, gobbledygook. It's a gobbledygook. Everyone, uh, it's the same as everything else. Everyone yeah, it's owns wild. everything. It's terrible. They're like, they went, this one company went bankrupt twice and then bought this restaurant and then went bankrupt again and yeah. sold it to some other weird group. And I'm just like, yeah, it what, seems like a fake, it seems fake. Yeah, it's so cool and chill to be a straight white man. You can do anything. You can go bankrupt a thousand yeah. times, and then you just keep failing upwards. Just wait till my next episode. I have a great story about that. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, okay, so I read an interview from the Star Tribune. I didn't even bother to look what state it was in, but a reporter named CJ <clears throat> interviewed Steve Schlussler and writes this. Restaurant creator Steve Schlussler <laughs> has a Donald Trump business story. That is a showstopper! Exclamation point. Then I cut to the first part of the interview, and she goes, "She goes, you got married." And he goes, "I got married." And then she goes, "I wouldn't have bet money on that. The same way I would have put, mo- I wouldn't have put money on the U.S. electing a black guy president or that a woman will be elected in 2016." So this just gives you a little bit of insight into maybe what Schlussler, the kind of dealing Schlussler is doing. Oh, Schlussler said that. No, she said that to him. The reporter said a black guy president. They're friends. That's what the report, yeah. She's like, I couldn't, I I guess he's a playboy or something. I was aghast. It got worse from there, but we do not have enough time to detail how bizarre this interview was. I actually recommend reading it because it was so strange. It was puzzling me. I was actually scratching my head with one finger like this hmm. while I was reading it. It's terrible. Anyway, uh, the first Rainforest Cafe, at least in this original concept, was born in his home. <laughs> no. He sold basically everything he owned, and he covered his house uh, in the restaurant pitch. Quote, Artificial waterfalls tumbled down the custom-made rock formations. Animatronic crocodiles bobbed their heads, and speakers piped out the roar of a tropical thunderstorm. So, like, going on a ride at Disney. Yeah, but he did this in his own house. He had 40, he says, quote, uh, from his own book called uh, There's a Jungle Inside. No. Yes. Uh, he had 40 tropical birds, 250-pound tortoises, a baboon, an iguana, and a bevy of tropical fishes. This is so bad for the animals. It's Everything about it is terrible. Save the animals. I know. He's he's horrifying. Um, so there's, like, bird shit all over his house. Absolutely. Probably. He had a greenhouse, which he had to determine how with full butterflies to determine how long they would survive and whether they would fall into the customer's food. Oh, my God. Yeah. Are you serious? Yes. His neighbors guessed (laughs) that he was either running a temple for the devil or a bordello. (laughs) 
Why would it be the temple for the devil? Why would it be a fucking rainforest-themed restaurant prototype? That seems... <laughs> I think the answer is cocaine. Sure, sure. It always is. In all of these themed restaurants, it seems. Um, okay, so I'm going to kind of skip a little bit down. Um, each cafe has safari guides, which are the waiters and waitresses. Oh, those poor assholes. I know. Tour guides, the hosts and hostesses. Pathfinders, which are the retail <laughs> sales associates. Navigators, which are the bartenders, which I think we should start calling bartenders. And safari assistants, which are the bussers, which makes me want to shed a single tear. Um, safari assistants. Yes. Wow. I know. So in 2000, uh, even though he didn't want to sell it, and he, quote, sold it at a fire price sale, uh, he sold it to Landry Restaurants, a company that also owns 500 restaurants, hotels, and casinos. Um, and it's owned by Tillman Frittata, who is the owner of Landry's restaurant group and, quote, a Trump-loving piece of trash. <laughs> That's my quote. Um, cool. Isn't that crazy? And I want to just read you very quickly a couple of things I have on the menu and a couple uh, reviews, if you don't mind. I don't mind. So their menu is truly all over the place. There's no, like kind of, you know, rainforest-themed tropical foods. I would think mango salsas, pineapple salsas, maybe a mix of, you know, South American kind of... This guy has never been to a restaurant that's not American. No. So they have fried pickles, spinach and artichoke dip, chicken strips, ahi pokey tower. Oh, ahead of its time. uh, Asian sriracha pork flatbread, shrimp scampi. Asian fusion. Shrimp scampi. Shrimp scampi. I, I heard that. Uh, anaconda pasta, which is a gluten-sensitive <laughs> quinoa pasta with local garden vegetables. Whoa, is gluten already getting a bad rap in the 90s? No, no, no. This is today's menu. I couldn't find oh, the original. Oh, okay. Um, shaved Parmesan cheese, red pepper flakes, white wine tomato sauce, and you can add shrimp for $4. Actually, to be fair, there are rainforests in America, so oh. technically okay. then well, he is getting away with He can do whatever he wants. There are rainforests in all, all lands. That's fair. Then please explain to me the China Island chicken salad. This is still on their menu. China chicken. We talked about this in the '90s episode. I yes. love Chinese chicken salad, but China Island chicken salad just sounds. It just sounds wrong. Mm. It sounds like a wrong way to say that. <laughs> it doesn't sound right to me. Yeah. You can also get Parmesan chicken or a jungle steak. Anyway, <laughs> jungle steak. <laughs> I want to read you one positive review and one negative review quickly. This Great. one is negative from TripAdvisor because I don't have Yelp. Almost ruined my short vacation. My wife, daughter, and myself stopped in for an early lunch on Friday, 9-20. We started early as we're... This is from the Rainforest Cafe in Disney. What year was it? Uh, I think 2018. Wait, they stopped at Disney World for an early lunch? Yes. I don't know why. Maybe they live there. This is a crazy... Listen, it gets much, much worse. We started early as we were ready for something to eat, having no breakfast. My wife ordered a burger, which she, which was done nicely. My daughter got a chicken dish, which she really liked. A chicken dish. I ordered the tuna, tuna poke bowl. No. Big mistake. Yes. It tasted fine, but it caught up with me about an hour later. I had to hit the bathroom four times over the next two hours, and I had to pull over at a Walgreens to use their facility on the trip home. I'd be interested to hear of anyone else who went to the raw tuna. Went with the raw tuna, had a similar experience. This has changed how I view the Rainforest Cafe. Wow. I actually commented to my family while we were eating that I noticed the bathroom at the Rainforest is always filthy. So and maybe. Full of dead butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe the kitchen is too. <laughs> oh my God. That guy. <sighs> and as always, I feel compelled to mention that 
you do not know where food poisoning comes from. Exactly. It is very irresponsible to point the restaurant you last ate at. And totally. people need to be educated about this. Totally. And stop using reviews to try to ruin restaurants because you think that you got food poisoning from there. You don't know. You don't know. And it definitely, there's no way it could possibly be from the tuna poke bowl at the Rainforest Cafe. I mean, come on. Okay, listen. This is a positive. <clears throat> we went here for an evening meal after the park all day. Asked to be taken earlier as we were tired and they took us earlier where we sat at the bar and waited when seated I had the quote primal steak and my partner had the quote taste of the islands he loved his <laughs> three different fishes my steak was all caps the best steak IV ever had exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point every 20 mins or so the restaurant <laughs> flashes and imitates a thunderstorm no it would be very good for kids as the animals as the animal all about you start moving it's magical you should def have a sander round to no idea what that means as there is plenty pictures to be taken if you plan on dining two adults can switch their one dessert for volcano dessert it is their signature dessert we didn't have it, but kind of funny them bringing it out as they are shouting at the top of their voices, Volcano! Oh my god. And that's it. Is it a molten chocolate cake? It's three brownies covered in ice cream with uh, a firecracker on top. Three <laughs> with a firecracker on top? <laughs> and bird shit. And whipped cream and butterflies. Dead butterflies. Oh my god. It's covered in dead butterflies. I am astonished that... I am astonished. I know. It's it's really incredible. So for Chef Recommends, we decided that we would talk about what would you order if you're forced to go to a theme restaurant? I would go willingly, sure. as would you. A hundred percent. So we know the food's not going to be good. Right. What do you, like, what's your go-to? So French fries mm-hmm. sure. um, and nachos mm-hmm. or veggie burger. Sure. Although we've been burned. Yeah. <laughs> we've been I burned. was burned recently by doing that. Um <laughs> Nicole got a regular burger that was a ve- instead of a veggie burger, and we thought it was like an, an impossible burger because it was such a horrible hamburger that <laughs> the only explanation could have been that it was an impossible burger. No offense, <laughs> it's to impossible burgers. I'd never had one before. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and you know, I I will never be unhappy eating French fries. Okay. Um. I would also absolutely go for some artichoke dip. No, mm-hmm. like any kind of appetizer. Yes. At some of these places, you can usually find something. Totally. Definitely don't get the fucking. Tuna poke. Nothing raw. No don't meat. Don't get the steak. Don't get meat. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing. Like, don't get meat. Get like Unless it's like chicken fingers. Oh, yeah. I love chicken get fingers. Get chicken fingers. Get Kids french fries. Kids meal items are fine. Totally. Or, I mean, I will say the one thing that all these restaurants have in common is like an, some kind of uh, problematic, culturally appropriated Asian chick- chicken salad. Right. Which you are a fan Which of. I love. Mm-hmm. Although, in this day of like foodborne illness with like lettuce bad lettuces I don't know it's like actually the worst thing you probably get sure something fried yeah I'm not afraid of foodborne illness you aren't it does make you thin I just feel like there's a lot of <laughs> media <laughs> franticness about yeah, the it leftist media needs to make us fear mongering yeah. I would call it yeah sure Hillary Clinton uh, <laughs> the emails all of her emails were about fake food poisoning yes and I want to know who's killing the butterflies at the Rainforest Cafe. <laughs> they're just like, there's a tiny pygmy like hunter that's just like piercing butterflies with a like, tiny bow and arrow. It was someone's job to go around and scoop up all the dead butterflies. Yeah. Also, how long do butterflies live? Like 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. 
what a crazy idea. But I did, I do remember going there with my dad, uh, and when we were in Disney, and it's one of those happy, sad memories because you know my dad's dead as a door now. <laughs> and, uh, um, no, but uh, <laughs> he loved theatrics. Actually, when I was reading about this guy building all this stuff, I'm like, I could totally picture my dad doing that because he just like loved over the top stuff. Do you have a top three for favorite theme restaurants? Um, well, Ed DeBevix or Dick's Last Resort, whichever one I went to. Sure. Um, I never went to the Fashion Cafe, but this story is amazing, and I now love it. Yeah. Um, and then there is, um, crap, I can't remember. There's another one that's like in from Indiana that is. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but the whole point was there's a huge pipe organ inside. It was oh, a pizza restaurant. I know what it's called. It's called Mike Pence's uh, No Abortion Time Fun Zone. <laughs> don't look at, don't go here if you're with a woman that's not your wife. Don't ruin my childhood memories <laughs> with Mike Pence. He's not, he's dead. He died. Um, but basically, you, it was a giant pipe organ in the center of this restaurant for some God-known reason, mm. and it's pizza, Ooh. and you could write in requests Pizza pipe. And I requested True Blue by Madonna to be played on a giant pipe organ what? when I went there with my neighbors across the street. That's the coolest thing I ever heard of. I know. it was my. F- I was obsessed with that song. Oh, my God. If you guys, if anyone knows what this restaurant is called, please hit us up. Um, DM us on Instagram. Yeah, I like, think it might have been podcast. a chain. Yeah, I wish I could remember. It's definitely based in Indiana. That's so cool. I know. Um, I loved my number three was Planet Hollywood because I remember going there. I loved it. I just thought it was like fun and the food was like terrible. But, um, I remember going there with my mom and my stepdad. I just like liked theme restaurants and you know, I was only child. So I was bored. My parents, you know, child divorced. My mom was like, what can we do that you will just be happy? (laughs) I was like, Planet Hollywood. So I remember going there and on one of the first dates my mom and Rob had with me, maybe the first one. And Rob like did a U-turn in the middle of Times Square to like pick us up. And my mom, I remember like my mom. He picked you up in a car in Times Square? Yeah, he drove to Times Square and he got the car and did a U-turn in Times Square to like make sure that we, like he got to us quickly. And my mom still talks about it to this day as being like, the thing that made her like fall in love with him. That to me so is more troubling than the dead butterflies. Yeah. I can't <laughs> possibly believe that well, he, he drove to Times Square. He to- had dead butterflies in the car with him. Ah, That's what made him do it. Okay, okay. My number two is Jekyll and Hyde, where I would love right. to I've go. Right, I've never been there. I can't go tonight. I had suggested going to see No, anything. it's not going to happen. I have to do something else anyway. It's very scary. It doesn't look that scary. It's spooky. <laughs> Um, and then my number one is obviously the RFC. Yeah. I forgot to add one. Oh, please. Um, which is Michael Jordan's restaurant, which is now closed. The ESPN zone? No, it's called Michael Jordan's restaurant. I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. In Chicago. Okay. Uh, it's no longer there. Is it a steakhouse? I don't know. I think it was just like an American restaurant, but I remember I went there with my best friend and her mom and her brothers and I was furious because... They charge for soda refills. And Ugh. so I like wrote on, because they had like crayons and like a paper menu or a paper tablecloth. It's so, like wrote on there, like I'm 12 years old or something. And I'm like, this is ridiculous that Michael Jordan, one of the richest men in the world, is yeah. <laughs> charging for refills of Tell soda. Tell like it is. <laughs> and then they closed. Okay. That's probably why. Um, this was a great episode. Yeah. I had a rip roaring good time. <laughs> um, okay. Well, everybody, hasta la past and see you next week. Happy birthday, Dad. Happy birthday, Dad. Bye. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. 
food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.